at my other work, a vice president at a hospice announced that she wanted to make a joint visit with us. I assume to see what it is that she's actually vice president of. Oh, pardon my cynicism. Social worker and I made an appointment with a single mom. We went and we saw her. Very poignant visit. And on the way back, with the chance to kind of unpack what took place, there came this silence in the car. I was driving. And after a moment or two, I looked in the rearview mirror and saw the social worker. She's on her phone. And I glanced to my right, and the vice president is on her phone. And I thought, I should go home and check for the good safe driving bonus check that I should get in the mail. Because I have just been fubbed. Fubbed is a new word in the English language, a combination of two words, phone and snubbed. Many of us have been fubbed, if not all of us. And many of us, if not all of us, have done some fubbing. Social media talks of connecting us, but sometimes fails to mention how we disconnect. CBS News report this week was about loneliness in the United States. And they said it's been typical to talk about loneliness in the age group of the elderly. But what they found was there's more loneliness in young adults. It's a lot of it has to do with social media, with fubbing, with deeming someone or something not there as more important than the one who is there. And people who have dinner together can do it absolutely alone, even though they're with someone. Or as someone said, we never run out of ways to miss each other. Now, I've also seen the anti-fub. We often go to the doctor's visits with an Amish family because the culture is so different, because English is their second language, not their first. Imagine if you would trying to go to the doctor's office and speaking in a foreign language to get all the medical stuff and all the expectations. It's really tricky. And so we go. And on this particular day, and I'll call the girl Sarah, Sarah, who's very critically ill, was being examined by Dr. Morton. A nurse stuck her head in the door and said, Dr. So-and-so is on the line, and it sounded really officious and really important, and he should drop what he was doing and answer the phone. And without missing a beat, Dr. Morton said, Sarah's more important. Tell him I'll call him back. A vulnerable child from a different culture whose parents probably can't even pay the bill. And he deemed her more important and chose to be present with her there. The anti-fub. The gospel text that Nina read for us so beautifully a few moments ago is part of a long speech at the friendship dinner. Friends are there. The disciples are there. One of them, Judas, sits in mute silence, pretending loyalty, preparing betrayal, marinating in his angry patriotism, willing to sacrifice everybody in the room. 
He misses everybody. The others are there, and they missed Judas. They regarded him as a sticky-fingered treasurer who couldn't be trusted, and they didn't trust him, and they were suspicious, and you really don't connect well with folks when we feel that way about them. Over 30 years ago now, when we first came to Louisville and I was pastor of a congregation down the road, and meeting with other ministers, I was talking to one and explaining to him my need for a friend outside my own congregation. And before I could finish those few words, he was turning and walking away. We never seem to miss ways. We never run out of ways to miss each other. And the result of this missing or loneliness and alienation, life diminished and limited, life impoverished. And here in this friendship dinner where they're just missing each other, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Teacher, some junior high students asked her class to write an imaginative uh, definition of friend. Here are some things they wrote. A friend is a pair of open arms in a society of armless people. A friend is a lively polka in the midst of a dreary concert. A friend is a mug of hot coffee on a damp, cloudy day. A friend is a hot bath after you walk 20 miles on a dusty road. They're naming those elements of friendship there. The warmth, the laughter, the companionship, the challenge, the comfort. Jesus says, I name you friends. These are the things I want for you. At this friendship dinner, before dying, he tells him, love as I've loved, befriend as I have befriended. He tells him it's about laying life down. Michael Christopher wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning play years ago called The Shadow Box. And in the story, there's a character named Brian. He's being cared for by his friend Mark. The setting is in the 80s. But before the AIDS crisis, though it could have been about that, they're at a hospice unit and Mark takes care of Brian and Brian's wife Beverly shows up and she's jealous of Mark, but she herself is unwilling to do the work of caring for Brian. And she goes Mark into a hard speech in which she confesses how difficult it is to constantly deal with the body fluids and the excrement and how it gets into his nose and just wakes up smelling it at night. It's pretty graphic. And then there's a scene where Brian comes in from his bedroom and he he just announces, I'm wet. I have wet the bed. And he's embarrassed and he's humiliated. And Mark says, it's okay, just just sit. And then he realizes he can't sit until he's cleaned up. And Brian says, I am truly disgusting. And Mark, as his friend, says, no. You're wet. Not disgusting. Life laid down. Loving as Jesus did. At the basic level, if we peel back the layers of our theology, this is all about the care of God in terms of friendship for us and our friendship for each other. It's what church is about. 
I've seen you doing this. This is not some mystery. I've seen you in care of children and Renee looking for ways to teach children who learn differently. I've seen Perry and his work with young people to deepen relationships, and you saw that last week here. I've seen Carol enriching Bible study and those, those conferences we have each week where we deal with the tough things about being disciples and followers, where we form lifelong friendships. We see it in the music where Kathy week after week embraces us with music. We've seen it in what Nina has done. And going out of her way to love you and doing things that are not in a job description. The core of the church is living out this friendship of God. But maybe, maybe you're like me. I struggle to love always, to befriend always. And sometimes I I cannot love that way. My patience wears thin. My warmth cools. My understanding is limited. My own wounds get in the way. I get tired. And John's gospel adds a crucial note that I often overlook. Maybe you do too. In our frail and human efforts to love and to befriend, we sometimes forget this. There's a simple phrase here where Jesus says to them, I chose you. And when you think about who he's talking to, he's talking to people who missed each other, even at this friendship dinner. These who have expressed jealousy of each other. These who misunderstood time and again. These who were afraid and who would abandon Jesus, they didn't have his back, they ran away. These who stumbled in all their efforts, vulnerable people, wounded by time and place and culture and ignorance. To those folks, amazingly, he said, I chose you. And out of this chosenness, I want you to live a life that's full, that matters. Not a call to perfection, a call to direction. A call to the practice of befriending, to the practice of love. Not that you're perfect, but this is the direction we're going. There's a wonderful little book called The Education of Little Tree. It's an old book now. But I still love that book. In the first few pages of the book, it explores what's happening to Little Tree, a Cherokee, five-year-old boy, who's just lost both parents, and the family has gathered in the back of the house, this ramshackle shack stuck in the hillside. They're deciding what to do with the family furniture and what to do with Little Tree. And standing behind them all is his grandpa, all six foot four of him, ramrod straight, wearing a black suit that Little Tree says he only wore to church and to funerals. And Grandpa looks over the crowd and locks eyes with Little Tree and will not look away, just continues to hold the eye contact 
And little tree begins, as only a child can do, weaving through the crowd of relatives until he gets to his grandpa and latches onto his leg, and he will not let go. In the meanwhile, the family's decided what they're going to do with him, and they encourage him to let go of his grandpa, but he won't. And they try to pull him away, and he doesn't want to let go. And grandpa puts one big old hand down on his head and says, leave the boy be. Choosing little tree. And it begins this journey of growing up in the mountains with Cherokee parents and learning the wisdom and the kindness of their ways. And it begins with that gesture, I choose you. I wonder if today we're not here feeling a little bit like little tree. Both of our senior staff have retired and are retiring, male and female, mom and dad. Easy to feel like an orphan spiritually. For many of you, the only senior pastors you've ever known. I think back to something at my mother's funeral standing at her casket before the service. This had been a long time ago, 12 years at least. And My grandson Josh, six years of age at the time, stood beside me. and He looked at me, where's your dad? I said, Josh, my dad died before you were born. He thought for just a moment, then he exclaimed, you ain't got no parents. And you ain't got good English. <laughs> we can work on that. He was an innocent child stating a raw truth. And today we may feel like we ain't got no parents. But hear the words of the gospel. I call you friends. Love as I've loved. I choose you. Out of that befriending of God, out of the choosing of God, We are the people of God, not in arrogance and pride, but in the humility of exploring this wonderful journey of life together, of going forward and practicing love and friendship with each other and with all. Amen. table before me is prepared we have elements we have symbols of the body the blood of Christ we open our hearts and our souls to receive especially to receive what it symbolizes the love of God taken in I hope all of us feel a freedom to come to the table and a delight a sacred delight in doing so. Because at this table, all of us are friends. We also cement that friendship in a simple way, another physical way. We greet each other. We shake hands, we hug. Somebody even kissed me on the cheek at the early service. 
And we say to each other, may the peace of Christ be with you. And we respond with, and also with you. Can we greet each other with peace, please?